Hey guys, it's Brooke Eagle, and we are back with another episode of the Forsyth Mags podcast. And I have two very special guests today. I have Karen Owens and Elizabeth Wood. Karen is the Education and Family Services Manager for the Alzheimer's Association, the Western Carolina chapter. And Elizabeth is a volunteer committee member for the Walk to End Alzheimer's. Hey, ladies. Hi. Hi. How are y'all today? <laughs> Doing great. Thank you for inviting us on and yeah. sharing information today. Yeah, I'm excited to have you guys on. We're Forsyth Mags is really excited to be partnering with the Alzheimer's Association. Um, we're going to be doing the walk in November, and we have another fundraiser coming up. My uh, papa, my grandfather, passed away. My mom's dad. Um, he was never officially diagnosed with Alzheimer's, but definitely we kind of waited too late. He we went to the doctor, and he was he was like, "Uh, uh-uh, I'm not doing this." <laughs> so one of those situations. So Alzheimer's and, and dementia is near and dear to my heart and to my mom's heart who's also with the magazine and so to kind of open things up I think I want to start with that what is the difference difference between Alzheimer's and dementia I think people kind of interchange the two and are not really sure what the difference is that's a great question Brooke and I actually get that question quite often because it can be confusing so when we hear the term dementia that term is a broad term we use to describe the symptoms associated with all the different types of dementia Dementia. So that's where somebody's experiencing cognitive decline that's severe enough to interfere in their their daily life. So it's severe enough to interfere in their daily functioning. Whereas Alzheimer's disease is just one type of dementia. Now it is the most common type. It accounts for 60 to 80% of the cases, but there are other types of dementias as well. So if we think about dementia, we often call it an umbrella term because so many things fall under that dementia umbrella, because there are multiple types of dementia, Alzheimer's disease just being the most common type. Um, So Alzheimer's disease itself, it is a brain um, disease. And so we do see damage to the neurons in the brain, which causes not only the physical changes to the brain that we see, but also it causes the changes we see outwardly, you know, whether it be uh, change in memory, change in mood, change in behavior, change in thinking, processing information, and all of those um, symptoms that we see related to Alzheimer's disease. What are, what are some symptoms that we can be on the lookout for if we have a loved one who we think may, uh, should be tested? That's a great question too, and good information, I think, for all of us to know, um, because the truth of the matter is we're all aging, And we all have a brain, so that means we're all at risk. Um, So some of the 10 warning signs, if you will, um, one is memory loss that disrupts a person's daily life. So, you know, memory loss and memory changes that are different from what a person was previously experiencing, you know, so different from their previous level of functioning. So, for example, you know, if somebody has never been good with names, and, you know, all of a sudden they're, um, or they're still not good with names. That might be just something that is characteristic of that person and always has been. But let's say, for example, somebody has always been spot on with names, never forgot a face or a name, and all of a sudden we're starting to notice changes there. That might be a cognitive or memory change related to Alzheimer's disease or some other type of dementia. Um, could also be related to something else, which is why it's very important for individuals to 
be assessed for that cognitive change and what's causing that. Um, because there are a lot of things that mimic Alzheimer's disease and other dementias. Um, so it is really important to have that assessment. But memory loss that disrupts a person's daily life can be um, a warning sign. Challenges in daily um, in planning or solving problems. So let's say, for example, somebody has always been really good at managing their finances. They've always been really good at balancing their checkbook, things like that. And now we're starting to notice a difference in their ability to pay bills, to balance that checkbook, um, to count change, things like that. That certainly could be a warning sign of Alzheimer's disease or some other type of dementia. And even things like difficulty completing familiar tasks. So let's say, for example, somebody has been a cook their whole life, you know, that's something they've always loved to do, and they've you know, used recipes for years, and now they're starting to have trouble navigating those recipes. Or even just planning trips to the grocery store, you know, for those recipes, or meal plans, things like that. Just those day-to-day -day tasks, and they're starting to having challenges with that. That can be a warning sign, too. Um, confusion with time or place can be a warning sign. You know, I think there are always times in our lives where we might forget what the day of the week is. You know, you think sure. it's Friday yeah. um, all day long, and somebody tells you it's still Monday. That's really a shocker, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, starting to have consistent difficulties with getting confused about day time, appointments, um, things like that, year, um, those type of things as far as time or place. And also, too, with Alzheimer's disease, what we see, too, is individuals start to have difficulty, too, understanding why things are not happening right away. That kind of goes along with that confusion with time and place. Um, we also see, too, individuals start to have difficulty um, with words and speaking or writing. So you may see individuals, for example, start to have difficulty navigating conversations. They may um, get lost in the conversation or start to repeat familiar words or phrases because they're having difficulty navigating that conversation or keeping up in the conversation, processing the information of the conversation. Um, you may see individuals um, start to withdraw from conversation because they're having difficulty navigating that. Um, or you may see individuals start to, for example, let's say they wanted to say watch, but they can't, they can't find that word that they're wanting to use. So they may say hand clock or something else because they're starting to have difficulty um, in language, both speaking or writing. Misplacing things is probably one I get the most questions about. Misplacing things or losing objects and um, having difficulty re retracing your steps can certainly be a warning sign of Alzheimer's disease. Um, I think, you know, everybody has misplaced their keys or their phone at some point in time or their glasses. Um, but, you know, oftentimes when we see those things being misplaced, they're usually in odd places, mm. like the phone in the freezer or something like that. Um, and we're starting to see that more consistently. Um, so misplacing things and losing the ability to retrace steps um, is can be a warning sign, you know, because oftentimes we're able to say, well, I started in this room and then I went into the living room and then the kitchen and kind of figure out where we might have laid that down, that object. But somebody that has cognitive changes related to Alzheimer's disease 
they may start to have difficulty retracing those steps to figure out where they might have laid down or misplaced that object. So those are just some of the things um, as far as warning signs yeah. that you may see. Yeah, I think um, I know with my papa, I definitely remember experiencing all of those things. And so I want Elizabeth to talk a little bit about her mom and what got her involved with this organization. But I know, um, and maybe Elizabeth can chime in on this question too, but if you are someone who is a caregiver or somebody in your family currently has dementia or Alzheimer's, what are, do you have some tips for how to, how to handle it? Because I know for me, I was very much in denial and I would get very frustrated. Um, at first I kind of, it, it started to click eventually, but it was, it's kind of hard to, cause you're like, no, this can't be happening. You're not, <laughs> you don't make these type of mistakes or you don't have trouble finding your words. And it's just really kind of hard to accept selfishly, I guess. I think one thing to keep in mind is denial is a normal part of the disease process, not just for individuals experiencing the changes, but also too for families, um, you know, because that is a big change. I know with me, my grandmother started to repeat herself quite often. And that was a hard thing to understand, especially as a teenager, because I was a teenager whenever my grandmother um, was experiencing those changes. And it, so it is, it's hard for um, us to see our loved ones change like that. And especially if we, you know, don't know why. Um, once there is a diagnosis, I think it's really important to remember, although it can be challenging sometimes, because again, you're seeing your loved one change, is that the changes are a result of the disease process, not the person, and not our relationship with mm. the person. Um, and that's something that sometimes we might have to remind ourselves over and over again, that, you know, these changes we're seeing, this is the disease, not, not because of my relationship with this individual. Um, so I think that's something that's really important, but just, just to be mindful that denial can be a common part of the disease process for, for all involved, sure. you know, because it is challenging to see our loved ones change right before our eyes and just really encouraging individuals to go and seek a diagnosis. Because as I mentioned, there are lots of things that can mimic dementias that are very treatable, that can be reversible and so really assessing for, you know, what is causing the changes. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, too, being mindful about the words that we use when having those conversations, because if we use words that are maybe scary to that individual um, or uncomfortable, it can certainly shut the conversation down quickly. Sure. Um, what, so are, just, what are some um, words to avoid, do you think? Well, I think being mindful of if somebody has an, a previous experience with a family member with Alzheimer's disease or some other type of dementia, just hearing that term, whether it be Alzheimer's disease specifically or dementia in general, that may, you know, make a challenge to the conversation because they may just be, uh, they may already have some feeling or thoughts in regards to their previous experience. Um, with someone that has had a diagnosis. Um, and so just being mindful of that, um, just being mindful of the, the words that might provoke fear mm -hmm. um, or, you know, um, tap into a previous experience that might make that conversation more challenging. So it's that's a hard question to answer in regards to kind of a cut and dry answer because everybody is so different, you know, 
And so just really taking what each individual um, has experienced, taking what's comfortable to them, um, whether that be words, phrases, even when to have a conversation and when's that comfortable. Yeah, Um, timing is important. (laughs) Yes, yes, I will be honest. I mean, you know, I'm not a morning person. So if you have a conversation with me at 5 a.m., you know, (laughs) it might be a different conversation than the one you have at 2 in the afternoon um, because I'm still trying to wake up at 5 a.m. So um, that that applies to, to everybody. Everybody um, has comforts even in when to have the conversation and what time of day is best for them. So sure. keeping those things in mind, Elizabeth, I've certainly you've got some things to add to that. Yeah. Elizabeth, I want to, oh. I want to hear, I want to hear from you. I want to hear your, your story and your mom's story and how you got involved with the Alzheimer's association. Okay. Well, first I want to go back to what you guys were just talking about as far as like um, how to have that conversation and, you know, when to start noticing things. Um, for my mom, she was starting to notice that she was forgetting things. And one of the key triggers for her was, yes, I have to have like grace <laughs> with her and understand like that she felt bad because she could realize in conversations by other people's reactions that she was repeating things. And that's when she started to withdraw from having conversations because she was scared and embarrassed. Mm. Um, But she had those conversations like reminding me, like, I'm sorry if I repeat myself, I'm sorry. And so it just became a thing of like, mom, I will take you and I will go with you. I will make the appointment. And I did all that for her. And I was able to be there with her for that diagnosis. Um, it's very hard to have that conversation because my mom was open to it, but like my half sister, her mother is starting to show signs and she will not. As soon as the conversation starts, it's complete denial, will not go. So I think it's just the thing of you got to have grace in those conversations and uh, just be mindful that in in all of it, that person is scared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fear. I think fear definitely, understandably, um, drives how people react to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's okay to say, you know, it's okay to break these conversations into little pieces at a time because Mm -hmm. sitting down and having that conversation can be very overwhelming for all parties involved. So if, you know, we have it for a few minutes at a time and when folks start to get uncomfortable, then we stop the conversation and maybe we continue it, you know, at another time. Um, And I think too, you know, it's okay to say, I've noticed some changes and I'm concerned um, and it's okay, too, to just remind folks that there are a lot of other things that can look like dementia that are very treatable. And so having that uh, assessment so that you can rule those things out. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good so, point. Um, so sometimes approaching it from that standpoint can be very helpful because a lot of times individuals are not aware that there are other things that can mimic dementia. And so they may be noticing some changes 
Um, and you, you just never know what somebody's thinking, but their mind might go to, you know, oh, is it dementia? Oh, is it Alzheimer's disease? And so just bringing up the point that it could be something else that's causing these cognitive changes. And we want to make sure that we're ruling all those things out. Um, so sometimes approaching it from that standpoint can be helpful to have that conversation too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth, I want you to tell us a little bit about the Winston-Salem walk that's coming up in November. Okay. So, um, it is coming up. It will be on November 6th and, um, I'm super excited to just be able to have a part in, um, helping be on the committee to get it all set up and, you know, just to bring up awareness for everyone. Um, because I, I feel like we've kind of went through this. It's something that happens to so many people, but no one talks about it. Um, and those that are going through it kind of don't realize that there's help out there for it. Mm-hmm. Um Karen, do you have the, there's like a hotline number um, that they can reach out to on the website. Yes, I have got that. Um, We have a 24-hour helpline number that Elizabeth was referring to where individuals can call night or day, 365 days a year, and talk to a live individual. Um, We also have the capability through our helpline to do care consultations. Um, And so talk with individuals, maybe they just received a diagnosis and they want to know, okay, where do I go from here? What are some next steps? Or maybe they are a caregiver and something has transpired and they're not sure how to handle that or how to navigate that. They can call and have a care consultation with one of our care consultants and they can talk through that situation with them and help them come up with some strategies or connect them to resources in the community. So the helpline is there. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Um, And that number is 1-800-272-3900. And I'll mention that again, 1-800-272-3900. And I encourage folks to share that with others. I encourage you to call it if you need it or have questions. Um, That's what my colleagues are there for is to help folks navigate um, this journey and to be a support during that. So, um, and I don't know about you all, but I certainly value being able to just talk to somebody um, in regards to those questions or, you know, connection to resources. So, yeah, please. absolutely. We'll put this, we'll put that hotline number in the show notes as well. So people can, can have that. And um, we'll also put the link to register for the walk for Scythe Mags as a team that we're really excited about. This is our first year participating. So we're very excited for the walk in November. Awesome. Yeah. And it's at, it's at Bailey park, right? Yes. Oh, great location. That'll be fun. And then there's another one. How many walks do, do y'all have? Is it nationwide? It is nationwide. So I will be completely honest. I do not know the total <laughs> number nationwide. Um, but I'm sure you could go but- to your website and find it. Yes, you can. Um, You can go to um, the National Alzheimer's Association's website to find out where that information in regards to the various states and where those walks are, because we do have them all across the country. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can also certainly go to our chapter's website for that information, because we also have 
um, quite a number of other walks across North Carolina as well. Um, but we do have the Winston Walk on Saturday, November 6th, as Elizabeth mentioned, and we've got the Mount Airy Walk on Saturday, September 18th, which is going to be at Riverside Park. So awesome. um, I certainly encourage folks to come out and join us. And I'm so glad you all have a team. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, we're excited. So I want to talk about two things before we wrap up. I want to talk a little bit about new treatments that are out there. But I also wanted to step back and see if you had any um, any tips for us on keeping our brain healthy, on prevention, or is Alzheimer's purely genetic? Or I just kind of want to talk about that for people who may not know. Sure. And that's a great question because, as I mentioned, we're all aging and we all have a brain. So it's aging along with us. Um, and so we want to do everything we can to certainly um, protect our brain and keep it as healthy as possible. Um, unfortunately, we do not have a way to prevent Alzheimer's disease and other dementias at this time. Um, but there are some things that we can do just in regards to overall brain health to help our brain um, stay as healthy as possible. One of the things that is imperative is um, physical activity. So the research has shown, you know, if you could only make one change, let's just say, that should be increasing physical activity. I certainly always encourage folks to check with their doctor just to make sure there are no limitations in regards to that. We want folks to be active, but also do that um, in a safe way. But doing things that are physically active um, exercise is really important um, to our brain's health. And then to um, diet and nutrition is important too. Um, thus far, the research has indicated the Mediterranean diet um, or the DASH diet, which stands for dietary approaches to stop hypertension. Um, so those are two great diets that they have indicated thus far in the research in regards to what fuels our body. Um, because what fuels our body certainly fuels our brain mm -hmm. and its health as well. Um, and it's also important for social activity and to stay engaged socially. So the walk's a great opportunity to connect with others um, and certainly engage on a social level with others and with teams um, and connecting. So social engagement is also important for our brain um, and cognitive activity. You know, that old adage, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. Yeah. Well, that's important, too, for our brain and maintaining cognitive activity. So doing things that are mentally challenging, mentally stimulating our brain certainly helps our brain's health as well. Um, and, of course, doing things to protect our, our head um, from head injuries, because those are head injuries are also a risk factor. Um, so we want to do anything. We want to protect our head to the best of our ability if we're doing activities, you know, wearing a helmet, things like that, that might require that. Mm, um, yeah. So those are just some things that are really helpful as far as just overall brain health. Sure. And then as far as some new treatments that are out there, um, I know that it's probably, it's kind of a, there's a lot about that. So kind of give us the, the brief skinny on, on the new treatments that are available. I will. So this certainly is a time of unprecedented promise in the quest in Alzheimer's. Um, in June, we celebrated the FDA's accelerated approval of Aduhelm. Um, and this is the first treatment approved for Alzheimer's disease since 2003. Wow. Um, and the first to address the underlying biology 
of Alzheimer's disease, treating the progression of the disease, not just the symptom, whereas the other medications that have been FDA approved were designed to treat the symptoms or manage the symptoms of the disease. So that's different in regards to that. Um, and this approval could mean more time for individuals to actively participate in daily life, um, maintain independence longer, and hold on to memories longer. Um, so this is, this is, like I said, a new and exciting time. Um, and this new treatment, is, it's pivotal. While it's not a cure, this is the first of a number of new treatments to come. And history has shown us that approvals of the first drug in a new category will invigorate the field and increase investments in new treatments and generate greater innovation. So, you know, that's imperative too. Yeah. Um, I will I will say certainly eliminating the barriers to access is our highest priority um, as far as the association goes, and we will do everything in our power to assure access to the drug, um, any tests needed during the treatment process, and other associated costs for all who will benefit. So it's exciting time. Yeah, that is, ex that is exciting because, I mean, in the past, yeah, that was my understanding that there was not really much treatment available. So that's very exciting that people can go and get tested and kind of stop it where it's at and also treat the symptoms of it. Yes. And that's why too, it's imperative for folks to have that evaluation, have that assessment so that if the diagnosis truly is Alzheimer's disease, that, you know, they have that earlier diagnosis and more time to prepare and plan and figure out, okay, how am I going to navigate this journey? Yeah. And probably a dumb question. They say no questions are dumb, but I mean, I guess it's as simple as you can go to your family doctor and say, Hey, I'm concerned about my mom or my dad. And then bringing your, as long, I mean, it could be any doctor. It doesn't have to be, they can transfer you to the right space, I guess. Yes. A lot of people start with their primary care doctor That can be their starting point. Um, and their primary care doctor will often refer them to other specialists like a neurologist or an neurological workup. They may refer them to a neuropsychologist for that workup. Um, and so folks can certainly start with their primary care doctor. Um, sometimes folks will start with a geriatrician, which is a primary care doctor that specializes in issues related to aging. Um, and, and sometimes they may already have a neurologist, and so they start that conversation with their neurologist. Um, so it really varies, but individuals can certainly start with their primary care doctor and having that conversation. Awesome. Well, to wrap us up, Elizabeth, I want you to just t tell us a little bit about why you are a part of this walk, why you walk every year and why the Alzheimer's association is so meaningful for you. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I have always thought that losing your memory is like just one of the hardest, saddest things because, you know, I mean, those are what we hold on to our whole life. That's what we reflect on. That's what makes us happy. We learn from those experiences. Um, and it was just something that I always thought like, oh, I need to join that one day. Um, and then I, so I finally decided to join the walk in 2019. Um, and I thought my mom would be able to walk with me. And so I would like update her on the progress. And it was exciting to be able to share that with her so she could know like, hey, I'm like fighting for you, mom. <laughs> and um, 
it, it was, um, I can't even express the gratitude of the people donating, um, showing that they care to find the cure. Uh, it doesn't matter how many donations you get, uh, each donation, it, it, it touches my heart that I can't, I can't even explain it. Um, but so my mom actually, um, randomly <laughs> started having seizures, um, which put her obviously in the hospital. And that's when the decline really took place. So it came out of nowhere. She was fine. We knew she just, you know, forgot things. Um, she did have a couple instances where she um, forgot like how to get to my office when we would go get lunch every week. And then she got to wear conversations in lunch. Um, she wasn't able to carry on conversations. And my mom was always a very talkative person, wanting to know everything, wanting to ask all these questions. And it got to where she would just sit there and listen and not say anything. So the seizures ended up like progressively declining for the Alzheimer's. Um, you know, it just kind of came out of nowhere. I thought, you know, mom's good. Like she'll slowly forget a little more things. I have all this time. And then it, it ended up being four months. Mm, I ended wow. up having four months with my mom. And even to the last, even to the last week, I, I net it. <laughs> I didn't realize it. I don't know if I was in denial or if it was just like it happened that quickly. And I'm thankful that she wasn't aware of it, but I saw how it affected my dad because he was having to be the caretaker on top of taking care of himself. And, um, you know, the frustration with like at the hospital, you know, it was frustrating because they couldn't pinpoint it. Well, they couldn't pinpoint it because there's not everything known about the disease. So it became a thing of, okay, we can't be mad at them because it hasn't been discovered. It hasn't been figured out yet. So that's, that's just a small, very small portion of the walk that we had with it. Um, but I do the walk now because I want to honor my mom in that way um, to fight for what I know she would want me to help other people. I want to be involved because I want to be able to come alongside of other people that are going through it and to let them know that they're not alone, that that organization is there. The organization did reach out to me in the middle of dealing with all this. And they were consistently like checking up on me. I did not expect it. <laughs> you hear of it being this huge association, but it's, it's so specific and individual and wanting to help everyone. So I just really want to support it. And I don't want other people to have to go through what I went through. Um, what I know others go through, 
it can be a short process, it can be a long process, but regardless, it's, it's hard on everyone. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing, Elizabeth. That's, I know your mom is so proud of you. Um, and I know she would want you to be doing this walk. And I know my papa would want us to be doing it too. So we're excited to honor his memory as well. So thank you, Elizabeth and Karen, for coming on and informing us today. We will have all the several links in the show notes um, for more information about Alzheimer's, for more information about the hotline, and as well as the walk. So we hope that y'all can join us on the walk on November 6th. And that is a wrap for today. You can find Forsyth Mags on social media as well. We'll put those links in the show notes too. So thanks, ladies. Hope y'all have a great rest of your day. The views and opinions stated on this podcast are solely those of the contributors and not necessarily those of our distributors or hosting companies. This podcast is copyrighted and cannot be reproduced without expressed written consent of Forsyth Magazines Incorporated. Ooh, that's a mouthful. <laughs>